Welcome to Real Tech Hours, the podcast where we talk about tech during real tech hours. Today we're going to talk about nearly everything. I've got a long episode for you guys to get buckled in. We're going to start with Google Stadia, move to Google and Facebook financing news, and the Facebook iOS camera bug. Then we'll talk about Apple CMO and bundling, Stanford's Apple Watch study, and catch up with real Elon hours. Then we'll end with a look at some smaller topics like the FCC getting sued, Huawei smartphone struggles, Snapchat Spectacles 3, and Phasey Walk moving to Mixer. We also throw in some, there are two reviews, Disney Plus and Call of Duty Modern Warfare in there. But first, for the other stuff, as always, if you have a question, a comment, topic you want to see discussed, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow this podcast on Twitter, at Real Tech Hours, to stay up to date with the podcast. A quick note, I did announce on Twitter that a new special series is coming, so you guys got to keep your eye out on that. It's going to be a, I'm gonna be a huge push this new series. I'm not releasing a whole lot of details right now at this point, but it's going to be long. So far, I'm currently planning the first entry into the series to be a four-part uh, series, and... Um, that's really all I'm going to say about it. It's 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 massive. It's coming together. I'm working on it. And as soon as I'm going to bring you guys some more details, I certainly will. I'm going to have a massive marketing push for the podcast. I'm going to run, I'm thinking about running some ads here and there uh, to launch, when the launch of the series happens, like leading up to it, and then and then at launch to, to try to uh, boost the podcast a little bit. But well, really, we'll just see what where we go from here. So... Let's just start off this podcast a little bit different this time, as I said, by reviewing a couple things, Disney Plus and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So first, Disney Plus, great content. I've got to say, holy cow. I mean, the originals are actually engaging and great to watch. It's it's fantastic. The Mandalorian, first two episodes, I mean, it it's starting out initially slow, but it just feels so much more like a real show than anything else that I've watched recently from anybody, that anybody else put out, that any of the other streaming giants put out. And it's kind of like, wow. It's like, man. You see, like, Disney knows, Disney knows what they're doing when it comes to producing content like this. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then the world according to, (laughs) the world according to Jeff Goldblum is one of my favorite shows now, uh, probably all time, honestly, by the time the sucker ends. It's it's fantastic. It's like they just had some leftover money, and Bob Iger's like, what do I do with this couple million dollars I have here? And he was like, well, if I just give it to Jeff Goldblum and have a camera crew follow him around, we can make a show out of it. And so that's what it is. It's fantastic. It's it's perfect. Um, but beyond that, you know, it has a massive library. I've, I've only scratched the surface of what there is to, to view on Disney+. Plus. And I'm sure there's more great stuff to come. And it's like, holy cow, this thing is monstrous. Just kind of looking at it is is daunting. I'm second, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So it's been almost a month now. It was released back on October 25th. Ooh, excuse me. And currently, I'm a little torn on the game. I've got to say outright, the campaign is fantastic. I'm not going to do any spoilers. I have nothing written down about that. But I do have to say... It was definitely it was definitely great. It was a great playthrough. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I thought it was a it was a return to some pretty good storytelling that we did see in the in the the earlier Call of Duties. 
And I have yet to play Spec Ops. I'm playing Spec Ops soon. But I'm currently torn in the multiplayer part. So recently for me, regular quick play has just been poor. It's just been a lot of people camping. It's just been a lot of people spawn camping. Uh, I guess a lot of camping in general. And it's it's really gone downhill for me recently. I don't know if that's just the player base recently or currently or... or it, some changes, obviously some changes need to be made with the spawning algorithms, they're always tuning, they can go on there, but I feel like recently, man, it's just really taken a toll. Um, I tried to look up a podcast where I talked a little bit about um, some initial uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare impressions that I did. I, I joined one of my friends on his podcast and kind of gave him answered some questions from him and gave him a little bit of an overview of what I thought of the game so far, but it, it, I couldn't find that, and so basically what I said back then was, you know, I, there's no real, um, there's no real meta emerging, you know, yes, weapons being nerfed, you know, like, stuff like that, and, and how do you think the, the rest of the season is going to play out, and I, th I thought it was going to be pretty interesting, I still think it's going to be pretty interesting, because currently I'm absolutely loving Ground War. Ground War is fantastic. I don't touch any other game on the multiplayer recently except for Ground War. Ground War is just taken over. I, I play tons and tons of Ground War stuff. So for those of you who haven't played, there's regular quick play, which is like your basic TDM, your kill confirmed, your hardpoint, search and destroy, all that kind of stuff. They also have 10 v10 game modes, so it's a, t a lobbies of 20. But Ground War is monstrous, so it's teams of 32 v 32 fighting each other on monstrous maps a place of domination with five capture points fairly well spread out and it's absolutely fantastic i've got to say i love it i've been having tons of fun recently i've been dropping lots and lots of gunships uh i've uploaded some clips here and there to my youtube channel if you guys want to check that out it's uh, moab beach and um yeah but i mean it's just it's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. If you haven't given it a shot, definitely definitely try it out. Um, but what I was going with that was there's a currently I believe the be, the be, uh, meta is is mostly balanced. I do have to say it, they've done a pretty well job. I I'm a huge weapon system fanatic when it comes to these games, like how you can customize your classes, what the weapons are, how they feel, what kind of attachments go on them, what the what are the perks, what kind of score streaks are we looking at. Um, what are the different little um, lethals and tacticals that we can use? What else? What else goes into a class? What what makes up the chemical composition of the weapons and the perks you're going to use in the game? And and one of the really interesting additions this time around is the um, uh, there I'm blanking on it. The specialist little dealies. There's the ammo crate and the trophy system tack insert and that the dead sounds so those kind of things are little special add-ons that recharge over time and those have definitely shaken it up a little bit it's it's uh, a much better specialist system than picking one specialist and only having to stick with that because here you could have the pro version of it and you can run two of them but the the recharge rate is, is a little different and then you have to like click it and then you have to choose which one you want so it takes a little bit longer but still very very interesting so i do believe the meta is mostly balanced in terms of just overall class structure but there are clearly some weapons in the game as it currently is that are overpowered like the 725 a lot of people have been complaining 
about that shotgun and how it got a nerf and then it recently got some buffs and and, and they're all over the place with some of those weapons trying to figure it out. I really haven't dug too deep into the patch now to really take a look because honestly shotguns don't heavily impact the effect of ground war. Ground war is a lot of long range AR weapons or SMGs if you're getting inside of buildings and people are just kind of camping it out. And so but for ground war I've really got to say a lot of things are balanced. I've got to say a lot of things are balanced. The majority of the game is, is pretty well balanced. I'm really enjoying it. Like it, class setups, and uh, class building features really make make or break a Call of Duty game for me. Like Call of Duty Ghost was fantastic. I love being able to to buy a gun and then just buy all of the different attachments and try them all out and have so many to choose from. Man, if we could go back, if I can get a second of that game where they just basically rebooted it and, and brought the brought back a new player base that'd be fantastic i'd love that stupid game <laughs> so sad that it got killed i'm gonna i forever will talk about for the rest of my life the death of call of duty ghosts due to um minecraft on playstation but uh, regardless i mean call of duty modern warfare it's a fantastic game if you're on the fence about getting it jump in buy it it's gonna be on sale i'm sure coming in the holidays maybe 15 dollars off so 45 bucks maybe 50 bucks somewhere around there uh definitely an easy pickup so now let's jump into our usual topics. Stadia, up first, which is only one day out from official drop. It officially drops tomorrow. All right? We're two hours, we're less than two hours away from the 19th. It's not dropping at midnight, but it just dropped tomorrow. By Stadia Founders Edition is currently in the mail. It is on its way, and it is estimated to be delivered on the 21st. So obviously, uh, I'm going to talk a lot about it in the podcast on next week and I'm super super excited for it I'm I'm ready I am ready earlier today it was showing that it was going to be delivered between 22nd and 25th which is kind of big big window in terms of me wanting to get right into it it's like man I've got to wait for one of these three days but but it is what it is it's coming anyways today however is the day that Lou from Omox Therapy claimed that they would drop some gameplay from the Google Stadia service, which I've been trying to keep my eye out for, and I just haven't seen it hit. I'm fairly certain he said uploading on Monday when they talked about it. I could have been wrong. They could be uploading it today. They could be currently under an embargo from, from Google saying, hey, you can't release any actual gameplay footage until the service announces... Um, but they did release a unboxing of the Founders Edition, which was pretty interesting. Uh, it's cool to see. Uh, it's nothing special that we haven't seen before, just kind of like how it presents in the box. We've seen the controller, we've seen the Chromecast, blah, blah, blah. They also earlier today sent out emails with some tips for playing Stadia better on launch. Things like um, not doing any other heavy streaming on the Wi-Fi, obviously trying to use 5 uh, G, 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi if you have it, the option versus 2.4, um, connecting your Chromecast through a Ethernet port, which I thought was kind of interesting. Is I, I hope that's not a big uh, factor in Stadia because I was really hoping for mobile gameplay. That's like, this is really what I was kind of banking on is, is being able to carry this thing around with me and play wherever I'm trying to go as long as I have a decent enough internet connection. I get it. You know, internet connection has to be there, but I'd also I'd also like for it to work when the internet connection is there. Um, but regardless, 
Google Stadia has also announced that they're nearly doubling the games at launch than Google initially reported. So at last minute, they added 10 games to the lineup, expanding the library to 22. Phil Harrison, the man in charge of Stadia, announced yesterday that they will, with the help of their partners, they're able to bring more games to service. So they have added Farming Simulator 2019, Final Fantasy 15, Football Manager 2020, Grid 2019, Attack on Titan Final Battle 2, Metro Exodus, NBA 2K20, Rage 2, Trials Rising, and Wolfenstein Young blood so a lot of these ones were the were the, the titles expected to come in later on or, or or towards the beginning of next year and and supposed to be very quickly onto the service but here they are now man it's like holy cow so upping it to 22 games at launch is absolutely fantastic it's more to offer for people who are kind of on the fence before and i think it's really going to boost some numbers of people being interested um additionally samurai showdown will also be available as a free game at launch for Stadia Pro subscribers. So originally it was going to be Destiny 2 is the free game, but now it will be two games because they claim that you're going to get one game a month. For this first month, hey, throw an extra free game just for the start of the ser service. So they got Samurai Showdown and Destiny 2, two free titles available at launch to anybody sign up for the Pro Edition or the Pro subscription. So if you purchase Founders Edition or Pro, I the Premier Edition got Pro, any of those, you know, either of those packages, you're automatically, you're automatically, you're automatically in for the first three months. So it's going to be extra lit. Also in Stadia news, Mark Green, the development director for Grid 2019, has come out and stated that the game will have a new 40-player game mode that is not possible on other platforms. He stated that quote, perhaps the area that the biggest difference was the streaming but also the ability of Stadia to talk to other Stadia so quickly transform some ideas around multiplayer, end quote. Here it is. Here it is. Stadia revolutionizing gaming. Here it's coming. It's a coming. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm so excited. This is going to be so great. They're, as long as they do a fantastic job with this, like a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, man, the service is going to fail. The service is going to flop. And honestly, you know, hey, if it flops, it flops. It is what it is. But if it doesn't, and it really brings something to the table, which I really think Google's going to do here, it's going to be fantastic. And they're going to absolutely kill it, and it's going to be pioneering into the space. Okay, we are we are seeing some changes, and we are going to see some big names jump into the field and start playing in this game. They are not hesitating, and they are not playing around. In, other, in our final Google news, Google has announced plans to begin offering checking accounts starting next year. Google to offer checking out starting next year titled the project cash it's ch or c a c h e but you know, cash so it's supposed to be a little play on words there Google you know caching and and cash blah blah, blah you know whatever anyways they are partnered with Citigroup and a small Stanford University credit union uh, those two will handle the financial backend and regulatory compliance. Uh, the Google checking accounts will be through the, will be inside the Google Pay app, which is where you will manage them and, and whatnot. It's designed to help more people, or sorry, quote, help more people do more stuff in a digital way, end quote, according to Google executive Caesar, uh, I'm going to butcher this last name, Sengupta, I'm assuming that's how you say it. Uh, he, they also noted that the service could be used to offer loyalty card programs. Uh, and one of their big pu pushing points was not selling financial data to advertisers 
Google Pay data will not be used, or has not been used in that way either. So what's going on here? Another, another foray into the financial services by some of these big players. You know, we have Apple with the Apple Card initially, and some issues are actually surfacing up around that. And then we have Google here with the the uh, checking accounts. Um, I mean, you gotta you gotta move into spaces when you stop making when you stop expanding rapidly in your other spaces. You've gotta find new places to move into and and to really uh, to really up your game. Speaking of payment systems, Facebook has launched their own. Here it comes. Facebook Pay is now available on Facebook and Messenger. It will roll out later to Instagram and WhatsApp. You can use it for fundraisers, person-to-person payments, event tickets, in-game purchases, and some purchases from pages and businesses that are on Facebook Marketplace. This comes as Facebook is still working through finding partners to replace those that dropped out from the Libra Association, which is the nonprofit organization that's overseeing the creation of the cryptocurrency and its rollout. So Facebook obviously is trying to launch that Libo, Libra crypto Libra Libra cryptocurrency and it's supposed to be called a stable coin, so it's based on a bunch of other com countries currencies another um other valuable assets that are highly liquid in, in that space. So it's supposed to be uh, something for everybody, like a, a currency for everyone. And uh, actually, Scott Galloway has, has praised the idea of a stable coin being, being excellent, being a fantastic idea, just that it's from the wrong companies, from Facebook. You don't really trust Facebook right now. Um, but regardless of all that, you know, Facebook was obviously looking to move into this. Uh, it, it, Facebook is big data, you know. They, the more data they can get, the better they, the better they shape their service. So, uh, I certainly won't be using it. <laughs> um, Facebook also announced that they fixed a bug that caused their iOS app to launch the camera in the background last week. A web designer named Joshua Maddox posted on Twitter a video of the issue. Facebook was quick to push an update to Apple, which is now available on the App Store. So, if your Facebook app has updated recently, the issue is supposedly gone. Um, yeah, it was very strange. If you look up the videos, it shows he's scrolling through his Twitter feed, and he kind of, like, swipes to the left a little bit, and it can, but he's not fully swiping to the left, he's just kind of dragging. You can see the camera is already open in the background, it's like, because he waves his hand in front of the camera on his phone, and it picks it up on the screen, and I was like, wow, okay, uh, that's a little interesting. It's, um... Definitely something to watch, <laughs> and uh, Lord, you do, you wish, it, you hope it is a bug. You hope Facebook wasn't trying to do something shady there, and they got caught in the action. So let's shift to Apple now. Apple's chief of marketing has stated that while iPads are quote the ultimate tool for a child to learn on end quote, kids with Chromebooks are quote not going to succeed end quote. Holy cow! That's a big old yikes from the from one of their from their CMO. That's a C-suite person, okay? Chief of marketing. This is top tier. This is top brass. There's nobody above this guy. And this is what he's coming out with. This is what he's got for us. Holy cow! That's something. Um, this comes as Apple's announcing the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. Obviously, they're just trying to push their products. Obviously, it's a push in the space, especially with them lowering that price of the iPad most recently. Uh, but yikes, man. Yikes. You don't come out and say kids using Chromebooks are not going to succeed. 
Yeah, don't say that. Yikes. Oh, oh man, just reading that is, is oh, oh, yikes. That's yikes. That's yikes. Um, and, and, and just kind of building off of that, after the special segment that I talked about earlier that we're going to be doing, uh, I'm also looking to do one on, on Apple, so we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some of these other topics in, in greater detail at later dates, so don't, don't think I'm just holding out here and not giving you the information. I'm working on it, alright? I'm trying to get projects done one at a time, and uh, they're definitely time-consuming, so at least this initial one is. Hopefully I, I get it down faster. Anyways... People inside Apple have confirmed the company is looking into a subscription bundle from some of their services. The list named three. Apple News Plus, Apple TV Plus, and Apple Music. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I've got to say, first off, missing Apple Arcade? Are we? I, I, I'm still dead set on believing that Apple Arcade is going to be in this fourth one. Um, while I've mentioned in the past, Scott Galloway has said Apple Care is going to be in it to make it a five. Here, I don't see Apple Care being in it. I, I I really don't see Apple Arcade not being in it. It's gotta be these it's gotta be the it's gotta be the four. It could be the three. I see these as being the big three. Maybe if they're just maybe if Apple Arcade is more of a is more of a beta for them and, and something that they're just testing out right now, they could kinda throw it off to the side. But if they really want to make a push in the mobile gaming sector, Apple Arcade has to get sucked into this big bundle because I'm sure there are a lot of people who use Apple devices who already use Apple Music and play games on iPhone. Apple TV would be something that they would be interested in, and Apple News Plus would just kind of be a bonus add-on that they could maybe use at some point. But the, but of, of the three, of the three, the, the, the I, I see Apple TV Plus, Apple Music, and Apple Arcade being some of the largest pushes into their segments, especially considering their um, consumer base, their customer base. Like, like come on. I, I really don't see Apple Arcade being being knocked out of this just yet. I'm gonna stick with that with that prediction. I am I am calling it now. Apple Arcade is getting thrown in the mix here. It's gonna be a list of four, and it's gonna be an excellent price point for them, and they're gonna rake in massive amounts of money. And yeah, it's 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 gonna be a game game set match basically. So next up, something a little interesting actually. Stanford published a massive study on the Apple Watch, specifically focusing on the heart rate features. Starting back in 2017 with 400,000 volunteers using Apple Watch Series 1, 2, or 3, they came up with some pretty interesting observations. The participants also had to wear an ECG patch so they could have some data compared to. So they wear the patch for about a week while also wearing the Apple Watch, and then they just wore the Apple Watch the rest of the time. Um, excuse me, only... So here's some of the interesting facts that I, I read through most of the article. I tried to understand like as much as I possibly could about this because I'm, you know, I'm not. This is my field, health and health and medical sciences is not my field, but, but I'll, I'll give my best shot. So, uh, only 0.5% of the participants in the study got an irregular heartbeat notification. So whenever your your heart is beating irregular, and the Apple Watch detects it through the. Uh, the sensors in the physical device, it sends you a notification that you're that you're currently experiencing an irregular heartbeat. Um, so it could tell you, you know, if your if your uh, levels change, you know, if your heart is racing, it'll be like, you know, hey, you, know, you need to calm down. Your heart's been beating too fast for too long now, that kind of thing. So here they are focusing really on on regular heartbeat notifications, and 
34% of those people who got a notification actually had an atrial fibrillation. So what is an atrial fibrillation? I had no idea. I had to look it up. Is an irregular and often rapid heart rate that can increase risk of strokes, heart failure, and other heart-related issues. So the, EK, the ECG patch also confirmed 84 of those detections by the Apple Watch during the patch wearing phase. So, so 84 out of 100% of the 0.5 people who got the notification, they, they, had, they had a real issue going on there. And the Apple Watch just wasn't just sending them a notification, just to send them a notification. And of the people who received a notification, 76% contacted a healthcare provider. Wow. Okay, this is some pretty interesting stuff. I've got to say it here. You know, uh, kudos to Apple and whatever they're doing with the Apple Watch. You, you guys are really doing something here because you're actually, this is actually making a difference and this is actually uh, changing people's lives. Okay, it's, it, you can't really just say that lightly. And, um, but for them to come out and say, hey, you know, they're, they're identifying these irregular heart, they're identifying these heartbeat issues among people just using the watch. Like they're already going to buy the watch. And here they are throwing in these special little features. And now these people are identifying that they're having issues and they're contacting a healthcare provider to get them solved. That's over that's 76%. That's 1% over three quarters. Right? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who are taking a step forward in trying to you know, understand their health more. It's it, it, it's really something I've got to say. I've got to give Apple uh, some props on this one. Normally, I'm just railing on them, but this one, they did a good job on this one. It's a good job, Apple. It's really long hours. I wish I could uh, get a little bit louder than that, but it's late. People sleeping. Uh, I got the window open. It's very nice outside, but it's real Elon hours. It's real Elon hours. I'm excited for this one. Today's real Elon hours is extra hype, and boy, do I have some good stuff. For y'all. First up is a study done by Bloomberg. Oh my when the notification for this article popped up on my phone, I've got to say, I nearly flew out of my seat reading it the first time. I was through the roof to the moon and back. The survey, or sorry, no, no, they surveyed 5,000. Tesla Model 3 owners to see whether they would buy the car again. 98% of them responded yes. 5,000 people, okay, they surveyed. 5,000 people. 98% of them said they would buy the car again. That's 4,900 people. Only 100 people said no. And what's even better? 99% said they would recommend the car to a friend or family member. So 4,950 of the 5,000 people said they would recommend the car to a friend or family member. Holy cow, you don't get these kinds of brand loyalty numbers anywhere else. Pull up some fact sheets, pull up some data, send it to me at uh, the the, or send it to me, realtechhourspodcast.gmail.com, and prove me wrong. But I'm telling you, nobody pulls these kinds of numbers. Nobody. Nobody anywhere. Like, not even Apple has this level of brand loyalty associated with it. This is ridiculous. 98% of your people surveyed said yes, they would buy it again. 
Holy cow. Holy cow. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Um, next up is Tesla's also selected Berlin to be the next location of their Gigafactory. Tesla put a few notes up as to why they chose this area, so I took them down. So the German government offers stability and has a long-term plan to support the growth of the EV market. This includes support for uh, EV charging networks and raising subsidies for purchases. Uh, they considered the UK, but did not go there due to uncertainty around the remaining in the EU, so with Brexit and all those kinds of issues. And, and here's a direct quote, so quote, Tesla's decision to position itself near its rivals enables it to better recruit existing talent and take advantage of well-established supply chains, end quote. I can't with these people right now. Oh, my Lord. Imagine having this. In, oh, first, you got the survey that comes out this week with the freaking brand loyalty through the roof and then you're gonna go out here and be like well we're we're building ourselves next world partners because we're basically gonna use everything that they built to uh, build the cars that's gonna take them down in the future because they don't want to convert to electric vehicles like come on i can't even i can't even this is this is holy cow man man tesla elon musk praises boys praises you guys are yeah oh my god we gotta move on. I'll be on this all day. Uh, there are now reports that some Model 3s are dipping below 3 seconds for their 0 to 60 times due to the latest software update. The release notes for the update state that, quote, your car's power has been increased by approximately 5%, improving acceleration performance. So optimization of the motor control software has led to this round of improvements. The current idea is that it now sits around 2.8 seconds for the 0 to 60 and one news company, Drag Times, is claiming that they could shave another tenth of a second off. Electric, however, points that this would be cutting close to Model S times, so they might save this performance boost until the played powertrain launches. Imagine owning a car that can get faster overnight because of a software update. That's crazy. Finally, Tesla has sent out their invitations for the Cybertruck event. It will be held this Thursday, the 28th in Los Angeles. The invitation includes a picture of the headlights of the vehicle, which people have been able to make out the front tires as well when shifting the image's color balance. So a lot of people were um, changing the noise, uh, the, um, uh, how dark it is, and, and, and the white balance and light balance and, and all those kinds of things. And, and blowing up the image and you can get some little views of like just the the outlines of tires underneath what is the headlight of the vehicle so but there's really nothing else to go off of like they're literally it's it's crazy because a lot of tesla's designs and and product building and and part manufacturing and all this other kind of stuff are, are highly in-house so none of this stuff leaks because it's just within the company and it's it's pretty crazy i'm excited uh the 28th we've got 10 days until it happens. It's going to be on Thursday, so I will most certainly be watching it because I don't you typically have anything on Fridays, so it's going to be 28th at late at night, and I'm going to watch the whole thing uh, as long as they live stream it. Hoping, you know, you never know, but they've live streamed almost everything in the past, but they could, something could happen, and it is what it is. But anyways, let's move on to follow up on previous podcast, the FCC is now facing a lawsuit by multiple cities across the U.S. to stop and 
stop an order that preempts local fees and regulation of cable broadband networks. The FCC has lost cases like this before when attempting to prevent states from passing net neutrality laws. Man, I almost couldn't read my own text there. Anyways, what is going on here? We talked in the last podcast about um, cable broadband monopolies making big moves. AT&T paying that stupid low fine and then the merger between uh, T-Mobile and Sprint. Sprint, right? I think it was Sprint. Uh, Anyways, the merger between those two companies. And, man, I mean, it's not a good space to be in right now. It's not news coming out of the sector is not at all that great. Net neutrality getting killed earlier is, is like, man, really? And then now they're trying to prevent, they tried to prevent states from passing their own net neutrality laws, which ended up getting um, striked down by a court. And here they are trying to prevent states from uh, charging these, these broadbands extra local fees and uh, creating regulation for them. It's, oh my god. Oh my lord, somebody please stop them. <laughs> they need to be outed, man. G Pi and, and the other two goons that always vote yes on everything need to just go. They need to go. Lord bless America. Anyways, sorry about Huawei. Huawei sales in China are continuing to climb, but the lack of Google services is hurting business everywhere else. While total smartphone shipments are up 30% compared to last year, 60% of that growth is from China. China's economy is beginning to slow and could send a signal to the decline of Huawei's explosive growth if things don't change soon. When comparing quarter 3 2019 to quarter 3 2018, there has actually already been a 6% decline in international sales. Huawei's main issue is convincing overseas carriers that there is a smart market for smartphones without Google services. So there's very, uh, there's a lot to unpack here. There, there's a lot going on. They're, they're seeing explosive growth in their home country of China, but their growth outside the U- outside of China is, is, is dwindling rapidly. Rapidly going from from d- double digit growth numbers to negative six percent. Holy cow! My my lord, that's that's tough. That's got to be rough. And I'm sure they're sweating bullets right now. Um, what's my whole take on the whole Huawei ban? It's it's kind of ridiculous, honestly, at this point. Uh, the whole executive order forcing companies not to to sell their products or services or anything like that to Chinese-based companies is, is, is wow. It's starting to get rough, and uh, it's really it's really counterintuitive. I feel like it, it's, you know, stifling a little bit of innovation there, and um, yeah, I think, I think the, I think the issue of China trying to spy everywhere else, while I'm sure it, it is in part, in I'm sure it's partially true. I'm sure they are attempting to, you know, reach out and establish some kinds of networks. But I feel like it's a lot of it is blown out of proportion just to, you know, keep the money here. That's what I feel like it is. And it, it's getting really annoying at this point. Um, I love Huawei products. I had two of, their, two of their Honor devices. They were fantastic devices before I got my Pixel. I gotta say that because they're they're fantastic budget devices. Really enjoyed them too. My first real smartphones before that I had like a Nokia Lumia, and I had a Samsung, a Galaxy and Prime, uh, two 
devices you've probably never heard of. The Galaxy Amp Prime is kind of like one of those one-off ones for, for Cricket. Um, but the Nokia Lumia was pretty big. It was, it was the Windows-based operating system. I, I'm glad I got to experience uh, Windows Mobile while I'm still around. I, I did like it. It was it, I love Tiles. Tiles is a fantastic uh, uh, user interface design. Um, it had a blue color scheme, which is absolutely fantastic. I love blue, favorite color. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's like, oh man, it's just, it's crazy. I I'm gonna maybe look into doing something on Huawei. We'll see. I've I've got so many ideas like swirling around in my head right now. It's, it's difficult to try to to try to get any any concrete things down except for what I'm currently working on now, which is a monstrous project. I know I keep mentioning it. I'm teasing you guys so much. I'm so sorry, but it's coming. It's coming. All right. I'm working on it. I'm working on a meeting with people and I'm talking, and I'm trying to figure out as much as I can to. to before I jump into this, because it's it's serious, it's big and it's serious. I want to take it seriously, and I, I think you guys are gonna absolutely love it. I sp spent like a great deal of time now on it. I probably spent the neighborhood of, of at least twenty four hours researching, writing, and and thinking about this this topic. So yeah, it's it's gonna be something. Um, let's keep going though. Snapchat has released a new pair of glasses in their spectacles lineup. So for those of you who don't know, if Snapchat sells physical devices they have a, a pair of of glasses like frames with little built-in cameras so spectacles 3 lets you add special ar effects to videos uh it uses an extra camera than the, compared to previous versions so it's got two instead of one but the cost has also jumped uh this current spectacles 3 costs 380 dollars compared to last year's model 150 dollars holy cow so from the reviews I'm reading, most of the improvements seem to come from the added depth sensor, enabling better AR experiences and 3D pictures. The frames are being reported as being a tight fit, though, with the nose bridge being a little too snug and the arms of the frames being tight enough to feel them at all times. So that's mostly uncomfortable. I can, um, the glasses are not are also not polarized and expected feature at this price point. So, you know, the glass being tight on the face, I can tell you, I wear glasses, not all the time. I mainly wear contacts, especially when I'm doing something like this where I'm at the computer and I gotta wear a headset, or I'm at my playing on my PS4 and I gotta wear a headset, um, or or I'm going out and I wanna wear sunglasses. I throw in the contacts, but on days where you know when I just like I wake up late and I just feel lazy and I don't wanna put throwing contacts, I throw on my glasses. Mainly because they're an older prescription now at this point. I've had them um, for about two years now, two or three years. I'm planning to update them this this coming uh, renewal though, which for me is in January, and I'm going to get my latest prescription then. I'm kind of excited about that. I've been seeing a lot of uh, interesting um, glasses, gl frame designs. I'm not even gonna lie. I've been <laughs> Scott Galloway. <laughs> I I mention this guy's name all the time. Name drop constantly, Scott Galloway. But his glasses that he wears are super cool. Jeff Goldblum has a similar pair, although they're a little bigger, and they're super cool. And I absolutely need a pair of, of super cool frames they're they're thicker and they and they look less plasticky they look more like a, a wood or something like that and I need a pair and I gotta have them soon <laughs> because they look cool I need I need a pair and I, I want them and yeah that's basically it <laughs> um, but other than that you know snapchat spectacles it's not for everybody you know if you're big on snapchat and you want to have all these special effects in AR I mean it looks cool the one of them showed like a bird flying along this path, and another one had like some 
balloons and some hearts floating around and then there were some bubbles and it was pretty cool and but I just don't see it being worth $380 for everybody um, you know it's really for the hardcore snapchat fans and hardcore snapchat users um, especially people who are like influencers who are like making money off the service this would be great for them um, but other than that I mean I don't know I don't know Finally, we have a quick update on the Twitch versus Mixer versus YouTube scene. FaZe Ewok has officially signed with Mixer, making her the fourth largest move from Twitch to Mixer. She's a popular pro Fortnite streamer who began to pick up traction towards the beginning of this year. One of the most surprising things about her choice of professional gaming is that she is deaf. She's a deaf player. It's pretty cool. Um, as of writing this, she has already gained 14,596 followers on Mixer. Uh, so in the article they actually talked about how she's kind of closer towards uh, King Gethalian and not being a major uh, numbers puller when it comes to uh, what they were doing what they were doing on Twitch but hey it's another pull I mean like all these people are moving over now it shows that Mixer's interested in everybody not just the top tier people so uh, interesting. I, I think their their acquisition strategy is interesting so far. And with that, we will finish up today's real tech hours. Today we looked at everything. I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm looking here at the time. We're at forty something minutes. I I thought this was gonna go well over an hour. And you know, hey, props on me for making it short. Uh, I don't know how people feel about uh, uh, the podcast links, but I try to keep them you know around 30, 40, 30, 40 minutes, somewhere around there. But hey. You know, I'm right in my spot. Boom, baby, let's go. So we started with Google Stadia. We moved to Google and Facebook financial news and the Facebook iOS camera bug. Then we talked about Apple CMO and bundling, Stanford's Apple Watch study, and caught up with real Elon hours. Then we covered some smaller topics like FCC getting sued, Huawei smartphone struggles, Snapchat Spectacles 3, and ended with Phase Ewok moving to Mixer. We also talked a little bit about a couple of reviews, Disney Plus and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. As always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find it on Anchor.fm, Breaker, CastBox, Radio Public, Overcast, and TuneIn. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at RealTechHours, to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and updates. And if you have a topic you want to see discussed, a question, you basically just want to reach out to the podcast, send an email to RealTechHoursPodcast at gmail.com. That is RealTechHoursPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast, and I will catch you all next time. Peace.